Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at ceiling decibels. I am your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 82. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Matthew Broderick's boyish charm, Killian Murphy's quiet power, and why real genius is the greatest 80s movie of all time. It's true. Don't try to argue. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. There's a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. Before we delve into the topic at hand, let's start with five minutes of Seinfeld level daily observation. So I was not feeling inspired this morning. Like no motivation, limbs felt heavy. My brain felt like cement. And we all get days like this. Like I had no clue what topic to pick or if I would even pod today. It's been like four or five days since my last one. So I was getting antsy. Like there's something like there's an internal clock being like, you should, you should do another one. You should do another one. Come on. Come on, Max, get up. We all have days like this though. You just get a case of the fuck it's and you're just like, fuck it. I don't want to do it. You just want to wallow in your own nothingness for a bit. Like you lay down and it's like 20 minutes later and you're like, oh my God, I've been doing nothing for 20 minutes. Like with my face down on a pillow. And I'm like, I'm not even looking at anything. I'm just, you know, existing. But fortunately for you listeners out there, I consumed the Rewatchables podcast of The Martian last night. And great movie, by the way. Definitely see The Martian if you haven't seen it. And my brain forced me to recall the final Matt Damon speech at the end of the movie. That the summation of it is basically in times of chaos or peril or sadness or laziness or being trapped on Mars by yourself and trying to survive. You got two options. You can curl up and quit, which is a nice option. It sounds nice sometimes. Or... Or you can solve one problem and you can begin. You can do the math. And when you're done the first problem, you can move on to the next one and keep fighting and clawing incrementally towards a goal until somehow you solve all the problems and create a fully finished something out of something that was nothing. I mean, it's, it's like I say to myself sometimes, it's like, how do, how do you eat a whale? It's like one bite at a time. Although I'm not sure if, if there was like a whale outside or like a whale outside my door, like if I just kept eating it one bite at a time. Would it spoil by the time I finished the whale? I mean, I would probably be eating rotten whale like halfway through. But I mean, it's the it's the thought of it. It's not an actual. Although I I am curious what whale blubber tastes like. I mean, I've heard I've heard it's good and it lights lamps. I know that. But uh, enough about whales. So Matt Damon was inspiring. It's a simple idea. It's just what I needed. And I mean, I could have also listened to the Peace With Inches speech, the Al Pacino speech from Any Given Sunday. It's like, I don't know what else to tell you guys. Three minutes until the biggest battle of our professional careers. I can't do a good Pacino. Or the Shawshank Hope monologue where Morgan Freeman's on a bus and he's like, I hope the ocean is as blue as I in my dreams. See, I can't I can't do good impressions for the most part. And I can't even do a good Matt Damon impression because there's not a, is there a good Matt Damon impression out there? I mean, he's not like, his voice isn't that unique. I don't know. But today it was Matt Damon's turn to turn my to turn my life around. You know, he influenced a 34-year-old podcaster mid-afternoon on a fall day in Michigan. So I'm not gonna argue with the creation gods on who you know inspired me today. So thank you, Matt. Appreciate it, Mr. Damon. So what topic did I pull from the depths of my butt from this? That's a little graphic, but that's where it came from. It came from my butt. Like normally I come to the table kind of brimming with ideas, but today the imagination fuel tank was on E. I couldn't even like get to the gas station. I'd be like pushing the car that is my brain towards the gas station. See, even my analogies aren't very strong today. So I tried to reverse my thought process 
like you seen Big Hero Six, where the older brother is like, you gotta look at things from a different perspective, and he flips his brother upside down, and then he gets inspired because he sees things differently. That's that's what I'm thinking. So what I try to think like what type of entertainment greatness has been critically ignored, or you know, I mean, like isn't even reviewed that much, and it hit me like the raunchy Godfather of modern comedy. It rarely gets discussed or given its due. It's Family Guy. It's 18 seasons long, 350 episodes and counting, and it's having the rare claim as an iconic show that was canceled and revived on two separate occasions. I believe after season two in 2001 and after season three in 2003, I think. And I mean, that's crazy to think about, you know, canceled twice. I don't think that's happened. I don't know if that's happened ever. But I think we don't pay comedy its due as art because so much of it, what we find funny is kind of societally crass and slapstick. Like falling and farting and burping and, you know, kind of gratuitous violence are always good for a good chuckle, like random violence. And the fact that repetition and rapid fire delivery make specific jokes or moments hard to recall, it kind of gives comedy an uphill battle for being critically uh, revered. Like even look at popular entertainment podcasts and you really see ones that analyze cartoons or comedy based entertainment. It's difficult to categorize and jokes are ephemeral snap of the finger moments that don't stay fresh in our memories, like long after the viewing's done. And even if you're fanatical about your comedy, it's difficult to have a long form discussion on what makes us laugh. Like I consider myself a comedic zealot, you know, I'll rip through comedy hours, you know, stupid shows, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, all that good stuff. Yet I've done 82 podcasts and only nine of them focus on comedy-based movies or television. That's like a 10 or 11%, you know, ratio on something that is pretty important. I mean, I think comedy is probably comedy, action, drama. I think it's even like third, third, third. Those are like the three that I really value the highest. Those are, you know, on the Olympic medal. uh, What's it called? When When they're on the steps. God, I don't know. I remember the Office Olympics where Jim's on it. It's like silver, gold, the pedestal. I don't know. The brain's not working, but you get the point. But it's challenging to, to, to dissect why like a prolonged vomit joke is amusing. But damn it, I'm going to try. I'm going to Matt Damon this. I'm going to you know science the shit out of this and take one cartoon scene, do the math and move on to the next one. So Family Guy premiered January 31st, 1999. I'm not sure if it was after the Super Bowl, maybe it might have been, but I was 14 and it like blew my mind. Like they took the classic all in the family, step by step, family matters, 21 minute sitcom family formula and used it to simultaneously mock American society as well as kind of pop culture gush about everything we have obsessed about for the past 40 years. Like they'll just randomly throw in like a Transformers joke, you know, something like that, like a pet rock joke. Uh, They'll make fun of Jimmy Carter randomly. Like, and remember, this this was the first show that really used the cutaway scene multiple times per episode. And with that tool, you know, when you say like, man, this is worse than when I shared a peanut butter sandwich with Jimmy Carter. And then, you know, you get you go there. I don't know why I'm on a Jimmy Carter kick today. Guys, I don't know why. He's a nice guy, I heard. And he's got nice teeth. And he builds, he builds homes for Habitat for Humanity. Now I'm talking about Jimmy Carter far too long. But, eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> And with that, so like with the tool of the cutaway and the animation format, they could randomly bring up any topic. They could do Kanye West, geese migration. They could do George W. Bush's imagination. They could talk about the Lincoln assassination, the OJ uh, verdict, 70s action movies, 
Will Smith's PG rated rapping style. Like it's all fair game and nothing is better than a show randomly touching on pop culture moments and topics that, you know, like I remember once uh, Peter turned on breaking bad and it was like a hypnotic show where it's like, you must watch breaking bad and tell everyone it's the greatest show ever. And it's like, Oh yeah, that, that kind of is what happened with it. <laughs> and so like when they mention things, you know, or you love, it's like satisfying a craving. I didn't know I had. If you think shows like Rick and Morty or Archer, Big Mouth, Bojack Horseman, and Paradise PD exist without Family Guy, you are wrong. And also, I mean, clearly American Dad and what was the other one? American Dad and The Cleveland Show wouldn't exist because they're offsets of this world. So Family Guy took the structure of The Simpsons and modernized it into these 10 second kind of instant entertainment clips that are relentlessly funny for 21 minutes at a time. It kind of just, it brought The Simpsons to the modern age. I mean, The Simpsons definitely created this format but i think family guy like perfected it and do you understand how difficult it is to be funny especially for like a prolonged period of time so fun game bill simmons you know my god my my hero my podcast who i want to be he had this thing called the championship belt of funny and it's like you pick a year and you look at who is the funniest person at that specific moment and on his list he's, he's pretty detailed about this like 2009 was zach galifianakis 2005, Steve Carell. I'm just shouting out like random ones. 2000 with Will Ferrell, 1998, Adam Sandler, 1994, Jim Carrey. And if you look at his list, you'll you'll notice it's rarely the same person twice, if and never the same person three years in a row. And you know why? Because staying relevant, funny, and grounded in the humor of reality while simultaneously being wealthy and successful is goddamn difficult. Like being funny, I mean, you you write about what you know. So if you end up being successful, it's like you start talking about rich guy stuff and people don't care about that. So the fact that Family Guy still has millions of people, uh, you know, loving it. And just I think it has it had 3.3 million viewers on cable last year, which is pretty freaking good. And the fact that they've, they've done this for 18 years and they're using the same premise and characters is a comedic miracle. It's unbelievable. Like I, remember, I remember when the show first came out, I would write down six to eight jokes per episode on little sticky notes while watching so I could share the jokes with accuracy the next day in class. And yes, it sounds pathetic and weird, but there's something magical about finding out other living, breathing human beings have the same sophomore sense of humor as you do. And I always found like, you know, I was pretty much a loser in middle school and high school. But when I started talking about Family Guy, it didn't matter who was around me, everyone had seen it and everyone loved the jokes in the same way. So like Family Guy was a pioneer in getting laughs because before this show, uh, the idea of awkwardly overextending a joke to unthinkable lengths wasn't a popular form of joke telling. Now it's essentially one third of comedy based TV shows now. Like in the first season, Peter Griffin got a promotion. Peter's the father. And he ran home as fast as he could to tell his family. And just before he gets home, he trips and skins his knee and he spends the next 23 seconds going, ah, you know, grabbing his knee. And with each passing second, the bit becomes funnier and funnier. And I mean, I'm just smiling now thinking about it. And as a viewer, you start looking around the room to make sure you aren't on a hidden camera show. You're kind of like, why is this happening? Is this, am I, did I take a hit of acid? Like what is this really 23 seconds of this one random knee scrape that has nothing to do with the show. And this fourth wall breaking kind of winked to the audience that this is just a show and not a real life situation is jarring and exciting and hilarious and only gets funnier the longer it goes. Like another example is Peter has this long standing hatred of a mascot chicken for, I think, a chicken restaurant. 
and they start arguing about an expired coupon. And six to 11 minutes later, which in TV time is a long time, you know, that's 25 to almost 45% of your episode. They're having like a matrix level Kung Fu brawl by the end of it that leaves cities burning and just dead bodies everywhere. And there's just guns and weapons. Sometimes they go to space. It's insane. And it's a running joke. And I think they've had like six or seven fights at this point. So it's this commitment to the absurd that makes Family Guy really revolutionary. Like they're always wanting to push the joke way too far. Like when, when Stewie, the baby of the family, calls for his mom, Lois, he says 48 versions of uh, the word mom. He's like, ma, 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 mommy. And it's gut-bustingly funny because it's not only an insane waste of time, but it's grounded in an action we've all done with our family members. Like Family Guy knew how to take something relatable and excruciatingly extend it for the sake of comedy. Like, I just love the awkward kind of, oh my God, they're still going with this. And in that vein, I am convinced Michael Scott of The Office doesn't happen if Peter Griffin, Peter Griffin didn't happen five years earlier. Like the idea of having a central white male character who could be offensive and awful, but it was inherently understood that we were laughing at him and not with him, uh, became accepted in Family Guy, so much so that a live action version of a moronic but good-natured lead could exist in Michael Scott. So, you know, anyone likes The Office, you know, you got Peter Griffin to thank, I think. And also the show was not just a comedy. Its creator, Seth MacFarlane, seems to be musically obsessed. And why wouldn't he be? Because he does most of the voices on the show and he can sing like Sinatra whenever he wants. So as an added bonus to this generational comedy show, we got glimpses and moments of true Broadway level musical greatness with really funny themes too. I think one of them was about weed legalization. One of them, Stewie and Brian uh, took a trip across, went to England and like, or went to Europe and like it was a, song about like travel or Peter joined the Patriots once and the entire Patriots team football team were, were involved in a musical like they're just dance numbers too and visually dazzling staging even in cartoon form and no topic was off limits everyone was made fun of and having characters in every age gender and racial bracket that had real characters representing them made the show feel well-rounded and how it mocked everything like it wasn't like specifically towards anything it just wanted to make fun of everyone like South Park has this great episode where they suggested that the family guy cutaways were selected from a word scramble that manatees randomly selected in a tank, which actually seems realistic. It's just everything's so random about it. Uh, it's fantastic. In that episode, actually, uh, I believe family guy was going to show the prophet Muhammad, which is, you know, against Muslim religion, but they couldn't do anything about it. Cause it was like a computer system, you know, with the manatees and all. So it's not like they were thinking of it. It was just randomly selected. Or there would be like time travel episodes on Family Guy with Stewie, the evil genius baby, and Brian, the talking dog. There'd be episodes about alcohol abuse and being neglected as a teenager with outcast daughter Meg. By the way, I love Meg is like the grossest, most hated character on the show. And she's played, she's voiced by Mila Kunis, who's probably one of the most stunning, beautiful, confident actresses today. And I guess <laughs> in real life, you know, you would think people would praise her for her acting or be like, you know, flabbergasted by her beauty. The thing she gets said to, I mean, the people, the thing that people say most to her when they see her is just shut up, Meg. <laughs> just, I mean, that just shows the power of the show. And the show would focus on homemaker Lois Griffin, Peter's wife, and show the struggles of motherhood and wanting to accomplish things outside the house. Like the show oddly took a lot of current American topics we all deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and made them laughably enjoyable while also making you think. And sometimes they just have fun. Like I think one episode they did 
uh, what if Family Guy was directed by three different directors and they did one with Michael Bay where it's like all action and explosions. One at Wes Anderson one where it was just super kind of hipster French kind of uh, like classic documentary style kind of filmmaking. It's just really fun. Or Quentin Tarantino one where there's buckets of blood and really like cool uh, dialogue. So there you have it. There's a podcast on a generational comedy that went undervalued and overlooked in its multiple decade run. So I defy you to watch five minutes of any episode and try and not laugh at not laugh at least once. So that's my challenge to you. So go and do it because you know you solve one math problem and then you move on. Thanks, Matt Damon. I appreciate it. This, so this is one math problem done, and now I'm gonna go solve another. Later.